Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, uh, bassist, vocalist, songwriter. You know his work probably best from the Moody Blues, legendary Moody Blues, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. John Lodge is our very special guest. John, uh, thrilled to have you. How are you? Hey, Frank. Yeah, fine. I'm great. Thank you very much. Looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, getting on the road and doing the concerts. Yeah. How far away are you from from hitting the road? Uh, Well, I leave uh, this week. uh, uh, I start uh, a cruise uh, with the Yes Band down to Mexico uh, for five days. And then I get back from that. Then I do two concerts in uh, Florida. And then I'm up to the, I'm up to the Northeast, and uh, I'll be joining you then. Well, it, look, you, from what I see, recent pictures, you look like you're in great shape. You, you, I'm sure for the touring and the traveling, you got to do something to do some kind of preparation. Um, do you have any kind of workout you do prior, or you just kind of go with the flow? Yeah, no, I do. I try and keep myself fit. I uh, yeah, do a lot of exercise. Um, yeah. Keep myself fit, you know, because uh, for me, the most important thing is to get on the stage in the best shape I can, so to perform uh, the concert. So uh, not only are the audience happy, but I'm happy, you know, because that's uh, what it's about, you know. I got into I got into playing music because excited me being on stage, uh, not being on the stage itself, but performing the music, you know, and uh, being prepared to do it. And from that. Uh, I found an audience, and um, you know that audience has grown, and you know we became the Moody Blues, and uh, as I say, I suppose the rest is history. Yeah, the rest is history is is for sure. Uh, very few people you can count them, literally count them. Uh, you know how many people have had a career like you've had, and uh, you got to look back and and be proud of what you've done. And uh, you know, I, I I can say that to a handful of guys only. I mean, they're. There, there are a lot of musicians out there, a lot of great musicians out there that haven't had the career, and I, I, that certainly that you had, and the, the, to put together um, the the career of a band like the Moody Blues. I, I'll tell you, you're in that one percent or half of one percent or whatever it is. Uh, you got to look back with some pride. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's just been an incredible ride, and it still is. You know, I mean, even now today, you know, do you. Doing the interview with Frank, uh, with you, Frank, it, it's it's like you know people still interested in uh, my music, Moody Blues music, and uh, uh, interested in seeing me on stage and performing the Moody Blues songs, you know. And uh, uh, you do have to say, yeah, <laughs> how did how did this happen? But uh, I'm really pleased it did. <laughs> what did your folks do for a living? Your mom and dad. What to my parents? Yeah. Yeah, my my yeah, the, no one was musicians, none at all. Uh, my mother didn't really work. Uh, my father was an engineer, uh, and he worked for Norton Motorbikes. You know, remember Norton Motorbikes? Yeah. All the people, you know, of course, um, Harley Davidsons and um, all the great bikes. But you know, in England, Norton was the motorbike. Yeah. Uh, my father worked for there. He was a heavy engineer. What was his thought, and what were your your parents' thought uh, on on you pursuing this? I'm sure after they saw the success, uh, they were fine. But how were they early on? Were they supportive, or was it a scary moment when your kid says, "Hey, I'm going to be a rock star"? 
Well, I, I think when I first got my first guitar and the first amplifier, uh, they probably couldn't believe the noise coming from my <laughs> bedroom, to be honest. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I was experimenting. I mean, uh, in, in Birmingham in those days, there was no one who could teach you rock and roll at all. Uh, there's no one who could teach you rock and roll guitar. There's certainly not anyone who could teach you rock and roll bass. And so I was just listening to music coming out of America all the while, you know. All the icons of America, you know, the uh, Little Richards, Fats Dominoes, Jerry Lee Lewis's and Gene Vincent's. And, you know, I was just listening to um, how they played their music, the left-hand side, the boogie piano. And so I think as as I progressed, my mom and dad understood what I was trying to do. Uh, and then when I saw that I was committed to it, you know, uh, they got really behind me. And, uh, you know, they were really encouraging. In actual fact, I think my father sort of became a surrogate manager for our first little band we had. And in the first band was Ray Thomas, you know, unfortunately just passed away. Yeah. Ray Thomas was the flautist in the Moody Blues. And we had a band called El Wyatt and the Rebels. Uh, and my father got involved with us. And, uh, you know, he, he, as an amateur, he, he, he sort of did an amateur um, management job for us and trying to get us bookings and uh, trying to get, convince the local youth clubs uh, that we were a good little band, you know. And, uh, no, they came very supportive. And they became very proud of... Uh, the Moody Blues as well, you know, uh, and I'm pleased about that. And the other thing, you know, just just from uh, uh, musicians who are growing up, young musicians who are growing up now, um, Ray Thomas and I became really good friends. And Ray's mom and dad, and my mom and dad, became good friends. And they used to go on holidays together. They would never have known that friendship without Ray and I getting together to play music, you know. So um, it had really good positive vibes uh you know from being a musician uh, for me and my family yeah it's it's so interesting you said uh, birmingham uh had uh had no uh real people to teach you rock and roll now i imagine it's loaded with them after you guys and i guess sabbath and and so many great bands came from there let me remind folks that are just tuning in late we're turning on their radios a little late, That uh, Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer John Lodge is here, uh, and he's uh, part of the uh, legendary group, the Moody Blues, and uh, a, a bass player, vocalist, songwriter, uh, extraordinaire, just uh, has put together a wonderful career, and it's still going strong, about to hit the road once again. Um, wh- where are you Where are you from right now? Where, where am I speaking to you from? Are you in the Surrey, or are you... I am actually on the way to Florida, but I'm in Barbados having a, 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 a holiday, uh, uh, well, holiday, a busman's holiday, because I'm doing interviews and everything else and uh, rehearsing. Uh, I'm just relaxing and, uh, you know, just sort of mentally getting prepared, I suppose, you know, for, for the tour and uh, playing and listening to the music and working out how I'm going to do it and, and also planning uh, a summer tour because the summer tour... I'm going to be on the road, and so I'm. I'm trying to, uh, you know, put everything in perspective. Yeah, well, it's you know, going back to your folks, I, everything I've I've ever heard about you, I never heard about you getting into any kind of trouble, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, damage. And listen, we all have our setbacks, but 
I I do know, and I don't want to get too personal, but you you're a, you're a Christian, right? You consider yourself a, a evangelical Christian, is that correct? Yes, yeah, I am definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe in uh, um, you. You do. Uh, I believe in good karma. Yeah, I believe in uh, you know trying to be. Um, you know, whatever you do in life comes back. You know, it's like a mirror, and whatever reflects in that mirror comes back to you. And I keep telling everyone I know, you know, whatever you do, you know, don't forget that mirror. It'll come back and haunt you, or come back and give you great satisfaction. Uh, it depends what you put, what you do, and um, uh, and I think that's from my. Um, you know, Christian philosophy, you know, I'm not really a religious person because uh, religion becomes all augmented and uh, yeah. orchestrated. Uh, but no, I, uh, but from the uh, Christian uh, standpoint, I find it really important um, to, to have, um, to just bring about good karma in the world, to try and make things nice, you know. So many people, I wrote a song called Simply Magic, which is on my album. Uh, 10,000 light years ago. And everybody writes songs about how things go wrong in your life, and this goes wrong, and that goes wrong, and they're all negative. And I thought, well, what about if you wrote a song where everything's going right in your life, yeah. and it gets better? And uh, and that's what this, this Simply Magic's about, you know. Why can't things be great and then get better, you know? Does that be worse or get worse? I love that, and I have to imagine that a lot of people do. I, I mean, I can't even watch the news, to be honest with you, because it's so negative, and I, I just, uh, I, I have such a a hard time with the news, and I'm not trying to make a statement or a political statement on that or whatever, but, it, it, you know, the the idea that uh, that you, you would single that out and say, you know, let, let's write a positive song. Uh, must have meant that you you were around and you were surrounded well, by a lot, uh, yeah, a lot of negative would, songs. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. I mean, wouldn't it be great if when you put the news on, they talked about positive things all the while? They never do. Never do. Yeah. And, um, and and I think, you know, a lot of the trauma in the world and, uh, and a lot of the heartaches that people suffer is because they're in, in undated with negative um, stories and negative news, you know. Uh, we need uplifting, you know. The world needs uplifting. I thought the, you know, the, the rock and roll revolution of the 60s and that, I thought it was going to be a really uplifting revolution of mind and spirit, you know. Uh, and I'm, I'm still locked into that, to be honest. And whatever I can do to do that, I will do. Yeah, I love that. And, I, you know, I'm just looking at, at something here, you know, uh, uh, Cruise to the Edge. Uh, with John Lodge, and that's that's what your band, the Ten Thousand Light Year Band, uh, Light Years Band. I, you know, this is th this is wonderful stuff, and I, you've got to know that you've got a ton of fans left out there. I mean, they're they're just you know, Moody Blues is is a is a major league band, and they're just not making any more of you. And and I, you know, I can say the same about you know Zeppelin or or you know different bands that are uh that are out there um not that zeppelin is is around but uh, th the members still are and i i'm believing more and more it's important to talk to you guys uh and, and document you know what you have to say either i'm getting older or more pretentious but there's just there there are no more of you being made i mean it's just not a 
um, uh, not a fertile ground for, for rock anymore. There, there really isn't. And let me remind folks of who you're listening to. You're listening to John Lodge, um, wonderful bass player, vocalist, um, it just it sounds like an optimist, uh, also songwriter from the Moody Blues. Uh, just a wonderful career and put a, a great band uh, together. I, I mean, how long have you been um, this way? I mean, were you as a child? Were you were you an optimist? Were you a positive uh, kid, or is this something you developed uh, along the way? It sounds like your parents were very supportive. It sounds like your dad. Rather than uh, you know browbeating you about getting involved in, in music, it sounded like you know I mean he he dove in and he was like being a manager for it. Uh, that to me sounds like support. It sounds like uh, you know textbook uh, parenting. It's what I would like to. You know, I have four kids, and if my kids would let me, <laughs> and if they had bands, I would have <laughs> jumped in and managed their bands along with them. Again, John Lodge here with me, Frank McKay, but. Do you think you got this from your folks, or is it something that developed over the years? I I I don't know to be honest, because I've always been an optimist. <laughs> always been an optimist. Me too. I, I could never understand being be, be negative, you know. Uh, and um, uh, I, I've always thought if you try if you try and be prepared for something, you know. I was I was um, I was a boy scout, you know, when I was a young kid, you know, and um, you. They, their motto is be prepared, you know, and uh, um, I, I think it really is, optimism is one of the lo- most wonderful things in the world, I think, because if you've got a friend, um, you know, you know, or you grew up with or whatever, if he's not optimistic, you know, that friendship doesn't really go, go along because you're always fighting the negativity, you know, and uh, I think I've always sort of... Um, been attracted to uh, optimistic people, you know. Uh, it, it, to me, it's really important. And uh, but I don't know. I mean, I didn't find music until I was sort of twelve years of age. Uh, it never really got to me. I, I, uh, there's no in, in my family of musicians, and uh, I didn't know any musicians. Uh, but when I was twelve, something sort of definitely happened. That I thought, yeah, I uh, uh, I really want to be part. Uh, 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 of music. I didn't know where it was going to take me, of course, at that age. Uh, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who was it at 12 years old that hit you? Uh, who who did you hear? Who did you see? Uh, or was it a group of bands? Was it, was it any particular uh, band that stood out to you or artists that stood out to you? But Or was it just the whole scene in general? Well, it was, it was, a, it was a couple of movies, really. Uh, one of them, of course, uh, probably the greatest group rock and roll movie was The Girl Can't Help It. And in there, there was Gene Vincent, uh, Eddie Cochran, um, Dion. There was just so many people in, in that uh, in that movie. But also where I was growing up at school, um, there, was a, there was a jukebox in the cafe I used to go over lunchtime. And that was a rock older jukebox playing 45s. And, um, you know, I, I used to drop the coin in a slot of lunchtime and Listen to people like Joe Lee Loose and uh, Fats Domino, and I was really excited about the uh, uh, you know the left hand side of the piano, the boogie part, uh, and that really turned me on. But I didn't know how I was going to be part of it until Buddy Holly came along. Buddy Holly came along uh, and showed people like me and a lot of people in England 
uh, how to write songs, how to perform songs, and you didn't have to be this huge icon. You could you could be a guy with glasses wearing a uh, a black tie and a black suit and still make it happen, you know. And I was very fortunate to see Buddy Holly live in Birmingham at the Birmingham Town Hall. And uh, when I saw him there, I realised you know, you can play, you know, you can play a guitar, a bass, and drums, you know, and uh, you could conjure up this excitement, and uh, that was it. <laughs> yeah, what about skiffle? Did skiffle mean anything to you, actually? Before you uh, uh, respond, let me uh, remind folks: John Lodge is the voice you're hearing from the Moody Blues, the legendary Moody Blues Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. John Lodge is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here with John. Um, a skiffle. Did it mean anything to you, or is it popular? Skiffle was great for English people because it gave you the first idea of how to put chords together. And um, there's songs like Rock On and Line, which was Lon- Lonnie Donegan, which I think was the first number one by a British artist in yeah, American charts. It was. Uh, and then, yeah, and then Freight Train uh, by Charles McDevitt, you know, and I got to know all these people in, in life, you know, which is amazing for me. Uh, but what was wonderful about Skiffle is because there was no one to teach you rock and roll, you could learn the chords from Skiffle. And uh, that's what I did. I, I learned Skiffle chords originally, which basically are one-finger ukulele type chords. And that's where I started to learn my rock and roll from, uh, from Skiffle. In actual fact, when I was 13, and I bought, got my first guitar when I was 13, I took it to school. and. They nicknamed me at school Skiff. <laughs> Skiffle, can you <laughs> No believe? kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. Skiff Lodge, I was called at school. How long did that last? Uh, about a year. Yeah. Uh, and then, then, uh, then when I found Rock and Roll, it became Rock and Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned Boy Scouts. I, I don't think I've heard a musician... Um, I, I know some you know, musicians like C.J. Ramon is is big into the Girl Scouts because his daughter's, um, you know, a Girl Scout and and he's big into the organization. He was helping out and all that. But I, I don't I don't recall a musician um, referencing the Boy Scouts as a uh, as a starting point. And it's kind of interesting. How far did you go in the Boy Scouts? I don't know much about the Boy Scouts, but did you start out? No, I guess, I, I, it's just. I think it, it just committed. You you learn a few things in there, you know, things like uh, first aid, uh, and you, you and also it's also uh, help people get on because you know the Boy Scouts and the youth clubs they were a really important part of growing up in the UK. I don't know about America, I, I, you know, but in the UK they're very important parts of growing up because you learn to mix with people from all different societies and all different backgrounds. And to me, that was really important uh, to be able to communicate uh, to so many different people. And uh, I think that was important. John Lodge is the voice that you're hearing. Frank McKay here with the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, uh, bassist, vo- vocalist, songwriter from the Moody Blues, and, uh, and of course, uh, 10,000 Light Years Band. And uh, everyone should absolutely... Uh, uh, Look him up. Uh, what a career he's had. Again, Frank McKay here with John Lodge. And if anyone stepped away, I want to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, John Lodge 
is our very, very special guest. And you know his work from the Moody Blues. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. And uh, just a wonderful bass player. Still at it. Uh, getting ready uh, to, to do uh, some uh, touring once again. And um, just, uh, you know, listen, it's great to, great to see that happen. I bet at 12 years old, um, you know, when you were Skiff Lodge, I, I, it would, it would have taken a lot to believe that here you are in 2019, 2020, uh, doing the same thing or that young boys dreamt of doing. I mean, this is, this has turned into a, a whole life career and I, I can't imagine, um, anybody could have predicted that at 12 years old. Not at all, not at all, but all I can say, everyone, anywhere who's listening is interested, you know, um, everybody, you know, people say to me, was it your dream to do that? I, did, it, it, I didn't have that dream. I just wanted to play my music. <laughs> it, you know, it wasn't anything about having a dream. People say, oh, when I hear people say, oh, this is what I want to do all my life, you know. Uh, well, you shouldn't tell people that. You should get on with it. <laughs> get on with it. Yeah. Well, but still, I, I mean, if you think about it, uh, there, there's so many different roads that you can go down. When, when was it when you realized that you could you could make a living doing this? I mean, it must have been some moment in time where where you said, you know what, you know, this is uh, this is a career. This isn't just fun. This isn't just enjoyable. I, when did that moment happen for you? You, you know, it's really strange. I never ever thought about it. Um, you know, uh, we, we were getting very little money when we started, and the money really just paid the expenses. And then one day, you find you find out that there's some money left over, <laughs> and that and that's the first time you start to think, "Oh, I'm glad a bit. Um, I can make money at this." Uh, but it wasn't the it wasn't the aim. That wasn't the aim at all. Um, uh, and everything seemed to happen after that. You know. Well, Never go chasing, never go chasing the money. Yeah. Tell everybody, that's a great, tell everybody in life, never go chasing the money. Yeah, It'll I, elude you. You know, I tell my, my kids, I got four kids, and my wife and I have four kids, and, uh, and we tell them, listen, find out what you love to do and just do it and worry about the money later. That's the, yeah, that's the most important thing there is, most important thing there is. You know, when you, when you get to a certain age, though, um, I, I, you know, have to believe that there's somebody that you bumped into that was doing this for a living. And I, I, I mean, again, it doesn't sound like you planned out the career. You just kind of uh, you, you kind of went with the flow and you were very good at something and uh, and you had a skill and, and so forth. Do you remember the first person that you met that uh, that you got to know as a contemporary that was doing well with music? whether it was rock music or, or anything else, or a, a performer of some kind. Do you remember who the first person was that uh, was really doing it for a living? Um, well, there's a few people in Birmingham doing it for a living. Uh, they were sort of ma making very much money, uh, but, you know, they're probably making more money than they could have done working in a factory, you know, so it was a, a different thing. But um, it, it was really interesting time because, um, you know, in the early 60s, when you start, you know, I remember doing what we did a gig um, in, in the countryside, and, and we, we Ray Thomas, and the band was called El Riot of the Rebels, 
and we used to get like 25 guineas, which were about $40, I suppose, and we were top of the bill. And then one week we went there, and they said to us, oh, you're not top of the bill this week. Uh, we, there's another band from Liverpool that just recorded a song uh, called Love Me Do, ah. uh, and we pay, we're paying them $125. Uh, and... and you know, there was a Beatles, what year was that, 63, whatever that was. Yeah. So probably, it was probably the Beatles would have realized, yep, they're making money. <laughs> so uh, that was probably the first people to realize in the business, the contemporaries that uh, were making money. But at those days, you know, we played with, you know, the Rolling Stones before they made uh, an Al record. Uh, and so we all really pretty grew up together, you know. It was an interesting time. Yeah, and a lot of lot of talent <laughs> came out of uh, Great Britain at that time. Yeah. I, that particular gig that you were kicked off the top, did you continue to play uh, on the gig? Were you uh, on the same bill with the Beatles at that point in 63? Uh, no, we did the Beatles gig, uh, uh, and I've still got the photographs from that, that concert. Can you believe that? Still got the photographs from that night. And uh, yes, uh, uh, and then I don't know whether we I don't know whether we played back went back there again after the oh yes we did we we played with a few other bands after as well uh, Johnny Kidd and the Pirates that was a great band yeah well did you uh, did did you have a, a lasting impression I mean obviously after they became the Beatles became this huge thing uh, everyone I, I guess goes back in their memory but at that moment do you remember if uh, if you thought that uh, that you saw greatness there, or that you saw some some major thing happening, or were they just another band? Uh, no, because they recorded their own song, which they had written. That was the main thing. Up until, up until then, so many, most of the English rock and roll artists at the time were covering American songs, American hits, uh, and um, you know, there was very little originality. Uh, and then the Beatles came along. Uh, and started when we saw them playing. They were doing, uh, you know, they'll be doing original songs, but they're also doing uh, songs from America that we hadn't heard, uh, you know. And uh, I shake it, shake it all over, you know. It, 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 they were different. They, they approached music differently. And when did you start writing your own material? So we started with the Moody's, really. I, I wrote a song for Gene Vincent before that, uh, but um, we, we, in the Moody's we decided that we were never going to record anyone else's songs, and we were going to record only our own and write our own songs. And um, that way we just have to believe in ourselves, and that's what we did. What year was that? Do you have a, a good timeline in your mind? Or 1966. 1966. Yeah, and then you, the Moody's never did a cover tune? Uh, uh, we did some before that, but not afterwards. Wow. See, that's interesting. I mean, even the Beatles covered things on there. Uh, on yeah, the, no, yeah. Uh, we, we, just, we just wanted to make albums. We just wanted to make long-playing albums. That's what we wanted to do. Uh, and that's what we, uh, you know, we did all our lives, all our music lives. You remember your first major tour, first tour where people uh, saw you as, uh, you know, as stars and you, where you became stars. And actually, before you respond, let me remind people once again, John Lodge is the voice that you're hearing and uh, just uh, just wonderful uh, to have him. Uh, 
Rock and Roll Hall of Famer from the Moody Blues, and his uh, uh, his career still going strong. A lot of a lot of touring, try to catch him out there, bass player, vocalist, and songwriter for the Moody Blues fame, and and of course uh, landing him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Frank McKay here with John Lodge. Uh, do you, you remember that first big tour that you did, and and what it felt like? Well, I, I think that. Yeah, I, I really think it was after our second album, In Search of the Lost Chord, and Ride My Seesaw was in the charts in America. We came to America, uh, and we basically, we, we were at the uh, Fillmore East in New York, Fillmore West in uh, California, and the Shrine. And uh, that was really the first time we sort of realized, oh, just a minute, and we were, you know, touring with bands like Star, uh, Starship, uh, Canned Heat, and uh, it was really, really exciting time. Yeah. The first time you left Europe, and, and again, I, I know you're on some limited time here. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but you're, we, got, we got about a minute left with John Lodge. Let me just say that. Okay. I, let me. Brilliant, let me, brilliant. Rock and roll. <laughs> let, me, let me get a, a website from you or a social media site where people can follow along with what you're doing. Yeah, johnlodge.com. And, and, then, and, yeah. Moody, and MoodyBluesToday.com. Right. Listen, it says it all. And listen, I really appreciate your time here. And uh, congratulations on all the success. And I really want to, uh, you know, wish you luck for everything in the future. I don't know that you need luck. You got karma on your side. You sound like a great guy. John Lodge, thank you very much for being here. Hey, Frank, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for the interview. And, uh, Say hi. I'd like to say hi to everyone's listening. And uh, thank you. I always say thank you for keeping the faith. Thank you. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down.